Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for Friday, May 23rd of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will be talking about the GM vacancies throughout the NHL, uh, the Brandon Proust hit that broke Derek Stepan's jaw, Blackhawks-Kings, and the interesting situation developing, at least in my opinion, with the New York Islanders. So lots to cover this week. We... Uh, we will start with some of the general manager situations from around the league. And obviously the Penguins have a big vacancy. The Washington Capitals have a vacancy. And the Vancouver Canucks did have a vacancy, and they filled it with Mr. Benning from uh, the Boston Bruins. The, the, the Benning... The Benning. Uh, acquisition for one of a better term, hiring, that's the word I was looking for. Um, do you think in his interviews he had to declare whether he thought they were a rebuild or they were still going to go for it? Do you think that was a big part of the decision-making for the ownership? I do. Um, I think, obviously, when owners hire GMs, they kind of like to, to hear the philosophy that they're kind of leaning towards in this. So... Benning obviously is probably at least from the the interviews I I read and heard today it seems like they're not going to be doing a total rebuild right off the bat and uh, that they'll be pushing forward with their their kind of core group um, some of which it has been disgruntled lately because of uh, Mike Gillis and John Tortorella namely Ryan Kessler and I think probably one of the first things Benning has to do with uh, the Canucks is smooth that relationship over if they aren't going to be doing the rebuilding. They're coachless, aren't they? I think so. Yeah. So the thing is, if we, if Wildsman goes like we think he does and the Canuckistans decide they want to pick up Wildsman, well, Biosma's not available. Not, no, no, that's what I mean. <clears throat> I said because we, we both think he'll be gone. Do you then get there and go, was Kessler particularly happy I, with the way Biosma went at the Olympics? I, oh, for some unknown reason, I thought I, heard a, I thought I heard a bit of a you know, rumbling that Kessler wasn't particularly happy with Biosma um, at the Olympics, meaning that he's probably going to have to do all his own exit interviews again to work out whether he wants to ruffle the feathers. Like there's so many, I don't envy Benning going into that situation over there. There's a lot that he's going to have to work out very quickly because time frames are getting very short. Absolutely. They, um, I think the Canucks are like the more matured version of the Pittsburgh Penguins on what could happen to the Penguins if they don't make the proper hire for their job. You have your, your superstar core, the Sedins, who have been tremendous for a number of years. Yeah. They had their run with the yep. Cup final. They did not get their Stanley Cup. They haven't been able to find their way back. And you got Ryan Kessler, and, and you got some other nice pieces there. But the Sedins are 34. Crosby and Malkin are still 26, 27. And I think... What's failed both organizations to this point has been their subpar drafting, more so even Vancouver, because I, I don't even think they have the top-end defense prospects that at least the Penguins have. They haven't quite used them yet, but Vancouver, I think, is even more bare than that, and they have the older superstars. But it's a cautionary tale for a team like the Penguins. Yeah, yep, I get, I get what you mean. It's... It's a tough one for me because teams seem to get in that win-now mode and they go, well, we've got to get particular sorts of players. We don't have them. We don't have them in the system. We'll just give up our draft picks to get someone in, you know, the whole rental situation. And I think you can see now that teams should be trusting their youth because of the contract situations with the cap and stuff like that. So... Benning was a part of the Boston situation. Boston seemed to have done that quite well. So 
it'll be interesting to see how he goes about trying to restructure the drafting situation there or if he does try to go for that quick retool. That's so hard, that quick retool that they've got. Because like you said, the Sedins are 34. I believe. I think they're in the neighborhood at least. Yeah, that means, because I don't think he'll be able to retool it for next year. That means they're 36 when technically they'd be ready to have another red-hot crack at the cup. Or maybe they're not as bad as the... Tortorella fall off and the Gillis fall off seems to have made them. So it's it really is interesting to see how that that pans out for them. They are 33 currently, but will be 34 at the beginning of next year. Yep. So technically they'd be 36 at the start of the next season. That I think with a retool they'd be legitimately able to go. Let's have a crack at the cup if they get everything right on that retool. Here's that's tough. Here's the tough part. Even if, say say hypothetically the Vancouver Canucks wanted to rebuild and wanted to scrap everything mm-hmm. and start over. You know what's a real pain in the ass? Finding somebody to take both Sedins. Yeah, you're not just getting... What yeah, an no annoying situation yeah. that is. I mean, yes, they play great together, they're brothers, yada, 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 but for a GM to to, to package two high-profile, high-priced guys together, I mean, Jesus, what an annoyance. Well, the other thing on top of that is they've got no trade clauses and all those sorts of things tacked in like they've well, obviously they'll never uh, sign a contract without those because they're they'll force any team's hand so that they stay together all, all i mean is that maybe that they maybe benning knows they have to go for the retool because he can't ship them out like you know i've seen on twitter a little bit you know they should be shopping them around they should be asking to, the question yeah but to who though i mean they come as yeah it's that's right it's a 12.2 million dollar cap hit that's coming the other way. How many teams can afford? Now, both Sedins are really, really great players in their own right. So you're not only talking about ponying up the assets it takes for an established one NHL player. You're ponying up how many assets for both of them and taking on 12 million bucks? That's like an impossible yeah, I mean, you, situation. You think of the logistics of it, it it's really hard to see them being able to, <clears throat> excuse me, being able to ship them out somewhere. So betting may not have a choice. Like to, to go for a rebuild, you sort of get there and go, all right, well, the only people that you can really shuffle off then is everyone else, like Kessler, like Bieksa, all those guys on the back end, you can ship them off as well. Um, you, you, and the return on those guys isn't won't be anywhere near as much, or well, Kessler might be. But won't be anywhere near as much as as a, as a Sedine individually, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, so it, they're they're kind of handcuffed there. So they may have to go for that retool, which is really hard. Like you've got to get every decision you make right. You don't really have a chance to get it wrong. That's the thing, and particularly if if their drafting history is a little bit like Pittsburgh's, there's no one in the system that can that can cover for a mistake if you get it wrong. It can come up and and fill that hole and go, yeah, you know what? We're missing this part, but we've got a couple of guys that are young that can come in and, and give us a chance that, you know, they only cost 500 grand. Or one mil at the most, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, they're, it's no wonder they're retooling and not rebuilding. <laughs> I don't think it's possible for them to rebuild because I don't think they'll, they would ever find the proper assets back. For... So they're kind, they're kind of stuck until the Sedins retire, basically. Yeah. That's what that that's what having that pair of players. And then and then like. furthermore to that, they they screwed the pooch with their goaltending situation. They had two really good goalies, oh, wow. and they should still have one. They should still have Schneider. Yeah. But they don't. Well, the thing that, the are. thing that's funny is Schneider. Schneider may have been a product of the situation he was in in Vancouver because I, I think he's, for me personally, I don't think he's performed as well in New Jersey as I thought he would have. Well, that's all. I, I guess I'm going to disagree. I think he played really good this year, and I think he got no offensive support, and his record was not very good. But him, but his numbers, him, are all right. his numbers I, I do believe, are were good this year. I think him not playing more is what cost the Devils a playoff spot. I thought I thought Marty Brodeur was oh, terrible. Yeah. yeah. Right, and yeah. I think well, that's I think if Schneider 
played 65 games, the Devils would have made the playoffs. They were a top possession team, and this is why, you know, I always preface it, possession isn't everything. It's a huge part of it. But one thing that can totally screw the possession thing up is bad goaltending. And they went to the well of Marty Broder so many times, and they got bit so many times this year with just subpar goaltending. That, that, what I find really frustrating about that is that Brodeur's ego is so big that he doesn't want to get there and have a chance to get into the playoffs, have a team get hot and win the Stanley Cup. He wants to be the guy. Yeah, he still like, thinks he's the just, guy. Yeah, just sit on the bench and come in in relief if you have to. Don't you know, have a chance to, to, to get another ring and add to the legacy I, of his mighty Brodeur. At the moment, he's he seems to be tarnishing that a little bit. I will never be one of the people that, says oh he should have retired not come back playing hockey is terrific i'm privileged that i did it for so long um i still play recreationally but you only get so much time when it matters and if he wants to continue doing that in a backup role why i would never begrudge somebody i don't think it takes away from his legacy from what he's done but when you have that ego and you're not able to say all right I'm not, I'm not quite that guy anymore. It's time for me to step aside and, and embrace this backup role. I'm okay with all that. It's when you refuse to do that, that it costs this team a playoff berth, in my opinion, this year. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, so, yeah. That. And him having that ego is what made him as good as he was. Let's be honest. That self-belief that in, uh, as a goal. That in is... the worst era of hockey ever. Yeah, let's not. That's a topic for uh, an off-season nah, I'm gonna, conversation. I'm going to throw that in there. He he was the beneficiary <laughs> of uh, the worst era of hockey with the worst team guilty of what made it the worst era. Yeah, look, you won't hear me. You won't hear me argue that at all. So, but that's a conversation to have on another day. Correct. Um, <laughs> Washington, they're sitting there without a GM right now, and yeah, I've. I don't know whether this is because I don't follow the right people on Twitter, but I've heard next to nothing, or it might just be all the conversations for Washington happen when I'm sleeping, but I've heard next to nothing about what they're doing in regards to who they're chasing down. So if you want to try and keep it quiet, they've done a very good job. I think you're correct. I haven't heard much on specifics. I've heard speculation with um, ranging from Ray Sherrill, who is an obvious Ooh. candidate for at least to be talked about. And yeah, all the way to the great one, Wayne Gretzky coming on is an executive, maybe even part ownership. Uh, but from what I've read, that's been squashed. And I think that is the proper decision for the Capitals or any other team. I just, um, I like Wayne in a hockey ambassador role. I just, I wouldn't want him running my team. I think he's, Obviously, 1A, 1B, best player of all time. Yes, I have my bias with Lemieux. I don't care which one you rank over the other one, but I think they're both on that same tier. His coaching wasn't very good, and I think he's probably a little old school with his thought process, so I I wouldn't want him running the organization. He he wants back into the league in some sort of role, though, that's... Hockey should have him involved in some capacity. He's the best player of all time. He's a great ambassador. The the NHL should hire him, not a specific team. No, but I think he wants. I think he wants to be hockey, hockey, not just an ambassador. So yeah, well, I don't fault the bullet on that. I can't fault him. No, no, no. That's right. It's just someone's going to want to jump on that at some stage, and, and he's going to want to be a part of it. He needs to pick a situation that works for him. Um, that someone will, will jump on that. It's sort of hard not to. It's Gretzky. I want him to be involved. I, 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 loved, I loved him growing up. So yeah, if, but you just don't want him running your team. Uh, yes, that, that would be true. <laughs> I know that's, you know, oh, a little harsh. kind of productive, but it makes sense. But Flyers can hire. Yeah, so I don't, I don't really know what Washington's going to do there. There's, there's obviously some other candidates out there but i don't know much about them really no 
I've, I, that's the thing. I'd, I'd be guessing in, in that situation, and, and I don't like doing that too much without any background in regards to what they're looking for in a GM or what they're doing. It's a tough situation jumping in there as well. It's, it's Vancouverish in, and Pittsburghish, I suppose. Is it a pull apart some of those really important pieces and, and, and go again, or do they just try and retool it and, and get it right over, you know, I don't, not next year, I don't, be right for the year after? I don't think they're in, in awful shape, to be honest. I think I think there's some stuff to be had there. You got a 50-60 goal scorer. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, definitely. I think you have one of the best centers in Nicholas Backstrom. I've always been a, a huge, huge fan of his. He he's so creative. He's he's just really good player that I don't think it's a lot of pub. Well, it's because he's next. He's got a very big shadow next to him. That's the problem. Yeah. Correct. Um, they've got a um, guy like Kuznetsov, who finally came over from Russia. I, I, I'm not totally convinced that he'll turn into that difference maker, but he does have the potential to do that, so that's good they, got, they finally got him over. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they should be very interested in retaining the services of a guy like Mikhail Grabowski, because they need a number two center. Something yeah. they've been lacking for a long time, and I think he helped them out a lot last year. I think he's a good player. But they're D. They what do you do with their D. back six? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm getting at. Carlson's great. Mike, I think Carlson and Olsen are quite good. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, I like both of them. But they're not like they don't scream number one pairing though. They don't have a guy that's the number one guy, and I know not every team does, and it's not—it's one of the hardest things to acquire. But Mike Green's certainly not that guy. You're you're big on on a team having that number one guy, aren't you? I love a guy that can take twenty-five to thirty minutes, and you don't it, put it this way. From a coach's perspective, if I can throw a guy out there for almost half the game and not even blink or think twice about what I'm getting out of him. That's such a huge relief, and everything else plays itself out usually after that, as long as you don't have complete I've, garbage after them. Because I've always thought of the defense pairings as pairs, as opposed to having you know, a one-to-six sort of ratio. I've always sort of thought about it, that if you can get, a, if you can get pairs of twos, covers you off for not having a number one. So if your top four can have pairs of twos and then your bottom two can have two A, two B sort of guys, not threes, if you know what I mean, then you're going to be okay in regards to being able to roll people out in situations and not stress. Because if you've got a a group, a unit that's so close in regards to their skill sets, you're going to have guys that get on a roll and get hot and you're going to have guys that cool off a little bit. You can just rotate them around through each other. Because like you said, finding a 1A guy is really, really hard. There's not – I don't think there's 30 of them out there to cover every single team. No, and that's why there's not a 1A on everyone's team. And sometimes teams like the Predators hog two of them with uh, Weber and Suter. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens. But there's more than one way to skin a cat. You can have the True. setup that you were talking about, but ideally I think you're looking for kind of what I had going on. With the, well, we'd, having that we'd be one different guy. GMs then. We'd be different general managers then. <laughs> I would always be searching for the number one guy myself. And you've got really good argument. I mean, you get there and, and you look at what Duncan Keith can do and, and you look at what Drew Doughty can do um, and you and Subban can do. And surprisingly, those three teams are still in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's a good argument. It's a good argument. Well, here here's another argument. Chris Pronger, he took the Oilers to the final, he took the Ducks, and he took the Flyers. And I believe he did it all in the first year he showed up. So when you're a 1A and you can play like that, you're a huge difference maker. It also showed what happened to Philadelphia when... Oh, that was tremendous. He was out. They, They sold out. They went all in on him, and it was really bad luck that it turned out the way it did. I, I know a lot of people don't like Chris Pronger, and he certainly, 
he was a dirty player. I get that. Um, being 31 years old, I grew up in a time when some of the things that he did weren't quite frowned upon like <laughs> it is now. Kind of a different time period. Concussion awareness isn't what it is now. Uh, he He's my favorite defenseman growing up. I, I loved how he played. If he pulled the stunts he did now with my current viewpoint, that probably wouldn't be the case. But he controlled games. He, he was terrific. And that's what a, a true number one A can do. Yep. So, um, and then last but not least, we have um, the Penguins have a, a GM opening. And that has been just as quiet as the Capitals on that front. I haven't heard much of anything. The only thing I have heard is that they're about to start their second round of interviews. But nobody knows who was in the first round. Other, it's it's funny though. You, you you said that they've been quiet. There's been a truckload of speculation in the media, in regards to what's going on in Pittsburgh. So they're the people that have been making the noise. You haven't really heard, excuse me, anything else come out. You sort of haven't heard any PR people come out and say we're doing this, we're doing that. Until you've got this bit of information that you've got here. So well done to Washington for being able to keep it quiet. But Pittsburgh have done okay because there's a lot of media scrutiny on this team at the moment. So they've done okay. There's, there's a big difference between speculation and reporting who's interviewing. And like you said, it's mm. been all speculation, not specific people who have been interviewing. Obviously, Jason Botterill, the current acting general manager for the Penguins, is a prime candidate. And I'll get more to him in just a second, but um, the only one that's been reported that they have gone after is Pat Brisson, or Brisson. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, he's obviously the high-profile agent for Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, other high-end superstars. He'd be passing up a truckload of money, especially with a guy like Kane coming on his contract in the next year. Uh, we discussed it last week. It, it it seemed stupid for him to want to do that. I mean, you made the really good point that he'd be doing it on an ego-based thing, going, right, I can run a team. He, like you said, money's not an issue for him. He's Unless he's got a gambling problem or something like that, he's got no he's got no reason to need to continue to collect the amount of coin that he's got. So if he wanted to take the massive pay cut and drop back to a financial situation being a GM, it would be a, let's see if I can actually do this sort of a thing. So, you know, yeah, I think we're both glad he's not. Yeah, I, I, like I said last week, the optics of Crosby's agent being the GM is terrible, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. Um, another one of the candidates is Julian Brisebois of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's been working under Steve Eiserman the last few years. Uh, he used to work with the Canadians. He built the AHL Hamilton Bulldogs up from you know he turned them into a pretty good team i used being here in rochester uh, we have the rochester americans in the ahl and uh hamilton kicked their butts for a number of years and i think that coincides with the time period that he was running them so would would either washington or pittsburgh look at going to an ahl general manager or is everyone just picking from that assistant GM pool well Breezebaugh is an assistant GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning now just previously he was with the Canadians doing the yeah no that's that that's what I mean it, it seems as though both of those organizations are only looking at that assistant GM level they're not sort of being ballsy enough I suppose to go that level down and go you know what he this person's run the AHL like they're happy to do it for coaches. It just seems as though... I think it's a big difference, though, between coaches and GMs. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but it, isn't, isn't, it the, isn't it the same thing? Isn't it talent and, and asset management? I still think there's... The GM and the assistant GM have a lot more say in yep. the personnel moves for AHL. Well, I suppose that they feed down. Yep, the players feed down into there, so they don't really get much of a say, I suppose. So it's more of a job title yep. than actual. You've got to get there and go up, go up a level before. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's why I asked the question. Um, Paul Fenton 
he's the assistant GM in Nashville. Um, Ray Shero used to be the assistant GM in Nashville. Assistant GM. Um, I would be really funny. No, I would pass on that. Um, I think I wouldn't pick any more fruits from the the David Poyle uh, tree per se. Mm. David Poyle, I think, has done a did a poor job with the USA team this time around, and I don't think he's ever really gotten Nashville above that average. Well, average is probably being a little cruel. They made the playoffs a lot of years, but they never were really considered a a contender. They they kind of got a free pass because they're a uh, a low cap team, if you know what I mean. It was almost like everyone was happy for them to have got as far as they did. Well, but you know what? There's some they never they never took they never took advantage of when they had Sutter and and um and Weber on their on their small contracts. Well, what's Nashville's problem then? What don't they have? They don't have scoring. They don't have high end forwards. They don't. What what problem do the Penguins have now in their development system? Well, they don't have any depth. Well, at what position? Forward. Forward. So do we really want, if you're talking about the Penguins, would you want Paul Fenton, who's coming from the Poyle tree, who's coming from the Shero tree, to... All right, so, so if you look at it that way then, and you go, who has been able to draft top-end forwards? It doesn't have to be quite and... like that, but I, would, no, no, I wouldn't no, no, pull no. from that same organization this many times, and... They have the same problem that now the Penguins do. Yep. So. yep. Well, at least you know what to avoid. Um, I think um, one of the more under-the-radar kind of curious potential general managers is Norm McIver, and he works in Chicago right now, and I think the world of what Chicago has been doing. So if he can even retain anything from what they've been doing, uh, that might be a good idea too. I, every time I hear the name Norm McIver, I think of like NHL 95 on the Mega Drive. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just from when I started playing the the um, the console games. That's the first thing I think of whenever I hear that name, Norm McIver. Well, I can't say that I think of that. When I think of his name, I think of Angus MacGyver, television star of the 80s. Oh, okay. <laughs> you probably... <laughs> Aren't familiar with MacGyver in that regard. Hang, hang on, are you, hang on, MacGyver. Are you talking about the guy that used to blow everything up? He didn't blow everything up, but he was very resourceful. Um, yeah, yeah, I just didn't know his first name was Angus, and I also know him from The Simpsons. Oh, Patty and Selma, of course. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we got a lot of cross-reference culturally from TV over here. <laughs> I'm glad we can mix in a, a MacGyver and Simpsons reference on this podcast. <laughs> Two of my favorite Don't shows. Worry, not a, the only thing that seems to go back culturally for you guys is that's not a knife, this is a knife. That's about it. No, I'll tell you what. We ate, we ate at, uh, me and a few buddies and my wife ate at the Outback Steakhouse. So there's that for you too the other week. You're not familiar. I'm not even going, I'm not, I'm not even going to reference that. That's terrible. <laughs> No, but back to Norm MacGyver. He's been uh, the assistant GM in Chicago since 2011. Um, I don't know how serious of a candidate he is in Pittsburgh, but mm-hmm. the, the things Chicago have, have done are absolutely, that should be the model for any team. They draft appropriately. They trust their youth. They value the right thing. It seems like, Every player on the roster can play at even strength. There's no specialist. There's no none of that nonsense. There's there's just good players. You're not having to hide someone. No, I don't think they do. If you get stuck out there in an icing, you're not panicking, going, "Oh my god!" Oh my god, Nick Letty, my bottom pairing guys out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that's that's the thing. So it'll be interesting to see. Where, and it, look. Pittsburgh and, and, and Washington are pretty well competing for the same guy, if you get what I mean. If I don't think those two organizations are too far apart in regards to 
what they have to think about doing. Yeah, the the Caps didn't make the playoffs, but you, you think about the, where their superstars are and, and, and where they're at in particular positions. The, the Capitals' goaltending's, you know, almost as flaky as Pittsburgh's, if you get, get what I mean. So they, they've got similar holes in their roster. They're probably going to be looking, depending on what ownership wants to do, do they want to win or do they want to make money? So you've got to decide what you want to do with your roster. Correct. And then, of course, there's Pierre Maguire. <laughs> oh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse that's, me. That that's the reaction that, that I would have as well. Um, yeah. You know, he comes off as knowing a ton on his broadcast, and and he works hard, and I don't I don't doubt any of that. I, he probably is one of the hardest working people in hockey for what he does. Um. A lot of what I think he does is useless bullshit, though. I don't care if I know that when a certain player was 12 years old, he played in Chikudimi Bay or wherever the hell else. He comes up with these stupid references of where people came from. That's useless knowledge to me. Can he transfer that work ethic over, though? I'm sure he could, but I don't like his... Because I think he'd be a brilliant scout to be perfectly honest. Yes, he should be a scout. But he's not going to go from what he is now to a scout. So, And I don't think and he's not going, going from what he is now to a GM, GM either. <laughs> no. Look, the only thing that could scare you about that is his relationship with Mario Lemieux. That would be the only thing that would scare you with that. I would like you know, to. I think Mario holds him in very high, holds him in very high regard. Um, but yes, the point you're about to make, I would hope Mario would be smarter than that. I'm just... I'd like to trust Mario a little more on that front and just, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. Totally agree. Pierre, Pierre, the problem with Pierre is he's obnoxious. I think he's, in one sense, great at what he does, and on another sense, terrible. He's annoying. Yep. For all the reasons to. that everyone knows. Yep. If I've got a choice between broadcasts, um, I, I move away from the NBC one. And I, I love... Doc Emmerich. You know what? If he um, um, if he dropped all that over the top, where they played junior hockey, college hockey, travel hockey, if he dropped all of that, travel. He, it would probably come off a lot better because no one really cares it, at it, all. I don't care. It, Does it anybody be, care? I don't think so. It would be good to get uh, actual insight into what's going on on the ice, what he thinks should change. I think he can Those provide that, though. I think he it's well but, but he's not. That, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's not giving that because he's giving all the other garbage. Um, so if he started giving that, I, I think people would relax on their opinions on the fact that he's an absolute tool. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, well said. He cops so much. He cops so much abuse. He deserves it. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he doesn't, but <laughs> he cops a hell of a lot. Here's my concern: if he were to ever be seriously considered for any kind of high-ranking position in an organization, is it agreeable that he has a huge ego? Mm. Do people with huge egos are they? more or less inclined to look at statistics and advanced metrics or do they feel so above it all that they would just go on their personal quote-unquote eye test he strikes me as somebody that would be above looking at metrics that could help him all right so then what he'd have to do is have a general manager that is metrics only uh, an assistant that is metrics only and then he can get there and be given the metrics of players, and then he can do the eye test or, against against those metrics. Or you could just hire another guy who's on board. With oh, you. no, no, no. If, if someone was crazy enough to hire him, I, if I was a, a, an owner, I would get there and go, all right, you can come in and you can do it your way, but I want you to have a metrics guy that you have to sit there and, and run stuff by him first before you go make a decision. And I should be fair. And in that situation... In that situation, you go, why not just have a different GM and have an assistant GM that does the eye test? I should be fair, though. Because you and I both think the same way. 
I, I don't know if that's his personal train of thought. I'm just speculating. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. We're just, yeah, throwing out an idea. So those are kind of the GM candidates out there. Um, it'll be interesting to follow along, see what the Penguins and Capitals do there. Huge decisions for both could really, really impact um, whether or not Crosby, Malkin, and Ovechkin's primes are absolutely wasted. Now, the Penguins have their cup, and that's nice. I know Ovechkin does not, but it's easy to beat up on Ovi, but I don't think his teams have been built that well. And um, when you're a pure goal scorer that relies on brute strength and and he skates well, that's going to start to go away as he gets older. Um, At least for the Penguins, I think, Sid and Gino are a little bit more cerebral in that regard. Yeah, but Ovi doesn't have to be. If you're, as you said, if you're scoring fifty to sixty goals a year, no, but that's he's not to always going to be able to get to. other things around. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that the window for Ovechkin to be the guy he is is not as wide open as Crosby and Malkin's. Look, I, I think that 2019 and that 2010 team were awesome for Washington. Um, you know, they hit a hot goalie in Halak and, and they got blown out by uh, Bali that wasn't quite up to it at that situation in his career. So I think they were really, really unlucky in that regards. And, and then the general manager panicked and, and made some quick decisions in regards to what he wanted to do with that team. Um, so people can get there and, and get upset the fact that Shiro didn't make changes fast enough. But I think McPhee chopping and changing the direction. The worst and, thing they did was force. change their, I hate to use a buzzword like this, but they changed their identity. Um, they thought that they had to become a trapping defensive team, but really they just needed to stay the course and, and be that, yep. be the people that they were. And they yep. kind of, and they trust, closed, trust they closed their own door. That's right. So it, it's a whole reassessment over there now in regards to how they want to make the most of what they've got in Ovi, really. Okay. You good on GMs? Yeah, we are. Okay. That went a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, good stuff. Okay. Brandon Prust. He um, clobbered Derek Stepan, broke his jaw. What do you think? And he got, what, two games? All of two games. Now, the thing that I find interesting about this supplemental discipline is that traditionally the leagues tried to hold off until they know what the injury is, if there is one, um, so they can put, take that into account for their suspension. So the fact that Stefan, he won't play again this playoff, I don't think. He's had surgery on that jaw. Um, the weird it part about it is he played through that game with that injury. Has he been ruled out? No, he hasn't. I know they said out indefinitely, but that is, it's kind of a open-ended. Yeah, Did they say he that to get the suspension, team. or he very well I, could be out I'm, the rest of the sure. playoffs. But well, I only read the well. That's the thing. I read the decision on the. I read the decision on the suspension before I heard about the jaw. So, if they did get there and say he's out indefinitely. With the, with the jaw, um, they didn't time it right to try and get a larger, a longer suspension for Prust. So I find that interesting um, in that context. But you've got Castillo who gets 10 games for abuse of an official, and I've got no problems with the 10 games whatsoever. No. But it shows you how the priorities um, of the NHL are in regards to player safety if they're giving two games to what Prust did Against there's a reason. You, guys there's a reason you don't see what Carcillo did very often at all. And why do you think that is? The size of the suspension. And, and was it based on the referee's injury? <laughs> yeah, correct. And that's the thing that the volume of games is the deterrent of doing that. That's the thing that some people I think have have forgotten. You know, you, you change behaviour with deterrence in these sort of sports. There's not a there's not an incentive-based system you can do with this stuff. You can't get there and, and put a positive spin on on how to stop suspe- on how to stop 
um, some of these incidences. So you have to get there and use a punitive measure. Well, here, and the NHL don't get, don't get it. Here's the problem, and we've said it a million times. The NHL gave two games, which I think we both agree, too small for, for what happened there. But it's completely based on his broken jaw. I'm not so sure they give him any games if the jaw's not broken. But in reality, the suspension should be the same no matter what. You need to punish the act of it. Who cares about the result? Just focus on the act 100 times out of 100. Be stern with it. And you lower the bad results because players won't take the chance. No. Look, and I, I like we, we use a point-based system on our on our website, and I I think if the NHL came up with something like that, that they could construct a points-based system and go, okay, the person did this, 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 and this. Here are the numbers. It, it takes the it takes the opinion out of what's considered a, a high hit and stuff like that. Because because when I watched it before, it looked like Prust's helmet hit. Stepan's helmet along with Prust's shoulder hitting his jaw. So it's the shoulder hitting the jaw that broke the jaw, but there was more contact than that made to um, Stepan's head through that hit. Um, but the puck was nowhere near that situation. That puck was, was gone. So I don't understand how Brandon, uh, Brandon Prust has any right to make that hit on Stepan. Stepan was probably lucky that his head didn't rattle around in his skull and end up with a concussion, to be honest. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with any of that. The only, the only thing I have to add about that, is I think you'll agree with me. Our, your system, I should say, that we have at at the website, we we understand that it's not perfect, but at least it's a solid rubric to build off of. It's yeah. It, it's not subjective. It's objective. Did you hit him in the head? How aggressive was it? How far away was the puck at the time of contact? It does not take injury into consideration, and it's stern. No. And I think our system, while not perfect, would work twenty times better than. Oh, as I as I say every time I, I post up a, a piece on it, and I'll do one for this Prust uh, Prust situation. Um, I, I want feedback so people can say, oh, "I think you're missing. I think you're missing this, or you've overreacted on this in regard to the amount of points you've given and stuff like that." Because, like, I adjusted it for, for this season, and I will go through and I will adjust it again for next season upon on feedback or ideas that we've got in regards to, "Oh, we've maybe overcommitted here, or we've overcommitted there." So, it, it, it's a work in progress, but at least you can see where we come up with the number. The videos are great to get that the NHL does and, and they talk over it and, and let you know why they've decided to do it this way. But it still comes down to subjectivity. Like that that puck is, is so far away and I don't think they took that into account enough. Like it's late. Where you have late. Like, Yeah. I gave, I gave that system gave Prust twenty games. And, and that's playoff games. Like that means he wouldn't even get to play in the cup finals if they get that far. And, plus and he'd miss carrier. the start of the next year. Yeah. Yep, and we'd miss the start of next year because you're not you don't count preseason games. So you, you get there with it and go. If if Prust knows that that's the price he's going to pay for hitting someone that is nowhere near the puck and should and should be allowed to not think he's about to get collected there, then that's his loss for for taking that hit on and, and doing that. It's just, there's no, yeah, two games in the playoffs is costly. I'm not going to try and, and, and deny that. But it's not enough for Prust to think, oh, you know, well, Stefan's not playing again in this series. Maybe. Maybe. Yep. So, Step, you know, Stepan's the better to go player on. by far. Yeah. Is, is it yep. is it so, a punishment for the Canadians to lose Prust? I'm not so sure it is. He's not as slow as, as, as I would I would suggest to be. You know, it, with what we consider to be good hockey, I don't. He's think not he's a huge slow. loss. Let's be honest. Stepan, yeah, okay. Stepan's a huge loss. He's yeah, he's a significant player for them. And, uh, and look, he didn't he didn't go out there to hurt Stepan. Sorry, to injure Stepan, but he went out there to make that hit to hurt him. And and, and that that's fine. But the result is a, a broken jaw, and he gets two games. So it's one of those things where you go. 
Of course, but I that's... think the NHL needs to really review what they're doing next year. They've got someone new in to do it, Quintal, and so he can change tact on it if he wants. He won't do anything that, that you know we've suggested, but they need to have a serious look at the severity of the um, severity of the um, suspensions. Agreed, and you can find that suspension system at hockeyhurts.com. Um, you good on that? Hit. Yeah, no, that's, let's move on from that stuff. That's the okay. That's annoying stuff. No, it needs to be said though. If they really want to take things serious, um, that's that's something that needs to be addressed. And if they don't address it, they're going to be be tagged by some pretty hefty lawsuits that'll actually have some legs, unlike the ones they probably have going on right now. That's the only reason that they've decided to try and look like they're doing something about it. It wasn't to do anything with, with player safety. It was the, the wallet of the owners in the league. That was what made them think about doing this. Well, good. Whatever. Get to that proper yeah, end move, result. Move on. <laughs> That's what it's so got to take. Um, one of the more interesting kind of situations brewing right now at least in my opinion uh the new york islanders uh you have a team that has been down in the dumps a punchline of the league for many many years i think they didn't help themselves this year with some of the the trades they made i think the thomas bannock trade is was asinine <laughs> um so that didn't help things uh, they potentially going to be finally sold by charles wang and they will eventually be moving into Brooklyn, which I think will be a terrific thing for them. Sorry to the folks on Long Island. Um, I never like to, to see kind of people lose their local team, but at least Long Island to Brooklyn, I know it's a long train ride, but it you know it's doable. Um, but so that, that's a that's a big geographical move in New York, is it? Yeah, it is, but you know it's not. Quebec to Colorado, Colorado or Winnipeg to Phoenix. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, that's a dumb deal at that point. At least Brooklyn, they can still. It'll be in the local market, covered by the local market, kind of stuff. Yeah, that's all right. But yep. more interesting than all that ownership nonsense is um, kind of the roster moves they're they're making and what kind of team they they're gonna look like they'll be next year and I think one of the biggest things they needed to do was improve their goaltending situation which I think was below replacement level with Evgeny Nabokov and what that means is that Nabokov's play was below the standard of your average AHL call-up. Um, Nabokov cost I, I believe he cost the Islanders the series against the Penguins. The Penguins series. He was even worse than yeah. you know. Flurry takes a lot, a lot of shit, but Nabokov was worse that series than even Flurry. I think he gets a pass because there was, wasn't the expectation of going to the Cup Finals. That, that's I, I think that's where Nabokov gets away because you're right. He was terrible. He was and, worse. Yeah, no, and I understand that, but you get there and go. Well, he wasn't really expected to take him very far. Well, they weren't expected to go very far anyway. Pittsburgh should have got through that series. So Nabokov gets uh, a free pass. And, and in reality, half-decent goaltending, they probably win that series. But they stick with that that situation this year. They make that Vanek trade thinking that they're a piece away from competing, even though to acquire that piece away, they traded away Matt Molson, which made it a lateral move, plus trading away futures. Yeah. <laughs> it just made no sense on any front. Um, but they did sign Yarrow Halak today. Four years, 18 million, That's so four and a half mil a year. Halak, I think's good goalie. Um, I think you're probably not going to see him pull off the 2010 Montreal Canadiens kind of stuff he did. But that's not... When you're talking about how bad Nabokov was and how bad their situation was, they, they don't need him to do that. They just need him to be an yeah. average NHL goalie. and He's more than capable of that. And um, why is it so important that they 
have that competent goaltending so that they're good next year. And a big reason is because of that Vanek trade. Um, the Islanders have decided to keep their top five pick this year. I believe they're drafting fifth overall. Part of the Vanek trade was the decision, would they give up this year's first-round pick or next year's? Yep. And being in the top five this year, I think they made the absolutely right decision by holding on to it this year because I think they're in a position to where they could actually improve a lot next year um, and not be a lottery team. And potentially, if the chips fall proper, maybe maybe even be a playoff team and not even give the Sabres a draft pick that puts them in that Connor yep. McDavid lottery. So that that's probably one of the thought processes they had to go through, wasn't it? Are we going to be terrible next year and give up a chance for that particular lottery pick for a, a potential franchise franchise sort of player? Um, so I think you're right. I think they made the right decision. And here's the thing with that decision too: the worst team in the league next year will only have a 25 percent chance at him. That's not great odds. I don't think that's yeah. I don't think that's high enough. It may not be, but you know what? That's what it is. And yeah, deal with it. It's not great odds, so I kind of that plays into why I I think it's a great idea for the Islanders to keep this year's pick too, because they had a lot of things go wrong last year: goaltending, Vanek, Molson, mess. Um, but they got some things looking good next year. Tavares should be healthy, ready to go. He's a, he's he's, he's a legitimate healthy, superstar. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's going to be good fun to watch. And they and they got some players coming up through the system that I think will be ready for prime time. Um, Ryan Strom, center, could slot behind Tavares. He started uh, his NHL career last year towards the end. He's been a highly touted prospect for a while, and I think he'll get his opportunity to finally play in the NHL next year. And they also have Griffin Reinhardt, a top-end defense prospect that could potentially play for them as well. So they do have a few things going for them moving forward. It'd be it'd be really cool for the Metropolitan Division to have New York, well, the Rangers, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, and Philly. Even the Devils are still okay. Um, particularly the Rangers and the Islanders, you know, really flying. If If... The Rangers get to the cup finals, if they win it, to have the Islanders coming up as well, it'd be great for hockey in, in New York and, and great for hockey for the NHL because, you know, Media Central in the US for, you know, is New York. So it'd be great to be able to try and build and push the hockey along. It'd be awesome. Correct. And, you know, uh, worst thing that ha- worst thing that happened to, to hockey was the lockout in, in 95 after New York won the cup in 94. Yeah, that and it it changed it changed into the trap era too. Yeah, that's right. Because it was still it was still good open. It was great, you know, fun fun loving hockey then. Mario was still putting up 160. That sounds so ridiculous. Wrong. Yeah, that's just not. But that's how it was. Yeah. Um, two points a game, Jesus. But back to the Islanders, they still have Kyle Poso, Michael Grabner, Franz Nielsen. I mean, they have good players. Um, yeah, you're right. They are on the rise. It's just a couple of good decisions here and there, and, and they get it right. But Hopefully it happens. They've made a couple of bad decisions, and I see Cal Clutterbuck and not, oh, and not yeah. you know, need a rider because they just yeah. screwed that up royally. Uh, that happens, though. Yeah, you can't have that happen, though. No, I understand that. The, the the line for getting stuff like that wrong is so small now in the cap era, and the fact that because of the cap era, teams are so close to each other in regards to what they've got for their, their rosters, your, your room for error is extremely small. You know who's got a reasonable $2.2 million cap hit for next year for the Islanders? Who's that? Alexei Yashin. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> How long does that keep going for? Next year will be the last year. God, you forget that sometimes. Isn't it? You really do forget that. Isn't that funny? 
Uh, no, to be honest, it's sad. It's not funny because that's a general manager that just totally screwed everything up, and he now talks on TV like he knows it all. So it's kind of sad. There are nine players on the Islanders roster going into next year that make less than Yashin. That's that's just that's tough. That's just that's sad. Yeah, it's over next year. You'd look at that; those players that got drafted, like Chara was an Islander. So is uh, Spezza. Yep. Um, I can't remember how that all shut down, but Milbury screwed it all up. Oh, Luongo was. Yeah, yeah Luongo was. Yeah, yep. they've, they've made a lot of poor choices. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps we should really be talking about a GM vacancy there once they make the move to Brooklyn. Yeah. How could they depends, not? Depends, like new ownership. Come on. You can't do better than Arsenal with some of these up-and-coming assistant GMs. We'll bring in Mark Gillis. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Suppose it could. Probably. <laughs> it, it can, it, you know, they love making lateral moves. Well, a few people have said this about some of the coaching situations in the league. Better the devil you know. If you get rid of Todd McClellan over in San Jose, who do you replace him with? I don't know. I think you know what he I mean? does a good job. So do I, but and, and they, they keep having those unfortunate playoff results. But you get there and go, if there's only so much the coach can do, it, it is eventually up to the players to take that next step and, and get through. And, and we know they shouldn't have lost that series against LA, but um, not, I don't not think the way really they stop. did. No, 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 no. I understand that. You get in that situation, you should be able to win one out of four. To have lost four straight, I don't think the the Sharks did that all year. And it happens. But it just seems to be a consistent thing with that roster. So I don't think, you know, we were all expecting Bileswell to be given the given the door. Maybe they don't want to because they don't think there's a better option out there as a coach. So the, the next general manager there is, is going to have an interesting, you know, choice. And same, same with Washington. What coach is going to get the most out of the 20 players? I think on the there's ice, a ton of coaches that got. we've never heard of that will do just – a fine job because Dan Bilesman is one of those guys. Did you ever hear of him before he got promoted? Only when he was playing for the uh, Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. See, I don't... But not as a coach. No, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of untapped potential. As long as you don't go with a retread, I think there's a ton of guys that are really good out there. You just have to do your homework and find them. Hey, look, it was a ballsy move by Shiro to make the change to bring an unknown coach in, um, and that was mid-season, so that was sort of the, almost the only option he had. It'll be interesting to see whether the new general manager at both Washington and Pittsburgh take that move. They've got a lot more time to, to assess what they do with their coaching staff now and, and work out how they want to go about it. So it'll be, it'll, be, um, it'll be interesting to see how they work it. All right. Anything else? Um, I think I've cut... Oh, the two shoulder surgeries for the two young defensive guys. And I see Bo Bennett's having wrist surgery again. Oh, for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. Bo Bennett, out four months, wrist surgery. Ali Mata and Derek Pouliot, their number one prospect, both have torn labrums. They are out four to six months. So <laughs> a lot of young, the young promising players for the Penguins, the kind of players they need moving forward have going to be on the shelf for at least four months. And they, and they need, they need that work. That that's the problem with them getting injured is that between the ages of 16 to 22, 23 is when you really put the phys- physical work into developing a really good, strong base for your fitness levels and for your, for your strength, all over body strength. So with the shoulder surgeries, they can still do, um, they can still do their lower body work and stuff like that, but it's all going to have to be static. They're going to have to be locked into machines and 
obviously still be really careful with what they do with their positioning of their shoulder when they do all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it puts them back 12 months, basically, in regards to their, their musculature development. So it's tough. I mean, you have to have the surgery. You can't play with a torn labrum. It, it just it hurts too much. And in the end, you end up making it worse. So if they've got tiny little tears in, in that capsule on that labrum, then get it cleaned up, get it washed out. But there's a pretty good chance that they hit 27, 28. They'll have to have surgery on that again and clean it out again. So the, the surgery has to be done properly and has to make sure there's there's no there's no hole in the labrum that the bone can get caught on again. Um, and make sure that, that there's no tear left when they go in there and do it. So you would want to be paying a truckload of money if you are the Penguins to get those two surgeries right. And the tough part is, at least in the Penguins um, situation, is that Ali Mata is going to be extremely relied upon for them next yep. year, and they're probably not going to have them to start the year. And them not having him to start the year, I don't think that should weigh into any of their long-term choices on defense. I don't think they should be keeping Matt Niskanen as an example to uh, yep. just because Mata can't start the year. Hey, perfect. it's a perfect reason. Look, the Penguins will make the playoffs next year. I don't think I, I, I have any problem saying that. It's the perfect time for them to get there in the first 20 games to go, right, we need to know what Harrington can do. We need to know whether we, we still think Despray is what everyone else keeps saying he is. All of those sorts of guys, go in and play. Put them in. You know what you're going to get when Marta comes back. You know He's not going to flinch on the on hits on his shoulder or anything like that. When he comes back, his shoulder's going to be fine. They'll do the proper rehab, all those sorts of things. Play the guys that you, you're not sure about in the first 20 to 30 games. The Penguins aren't going to lose enough games that early in the year by playing those guys that they're going to have to play catch-up for the rest of the year. That, that That's going to be the big thing for whoever's coaching and whoever the GM is, is in being insistent on trying to work out what their assets are at the NHL level and then working out what they want to do with it. That'll be really important, particularly with Marta out, because if, if Marta's out, uh, you'll see the lack of depth in that back six because I don't think Orpik will be there either. They're almost not going to have a choice. He can't be there. Well, we also don't want Scuderi there. That's the other problem. No, um, but Orpik will be moving on, at least if they're evaluating things properly. Um, yeah. The nice thing the Penguins do have is Paul Martin and Chris Letang. They can eat minutes so that the other young guys that step up don't have to, to take on that much. Um, yeah, there's your, your 1A and 1B right there. For, from what I hear, Brian Dumoulin's the best guy for the baby pens right that now. That was the one I couldn't. That was the one I couldn't think of. Honest to God, play Dumoulin, Harrington, Dupre, put them all up. Yep. It's time to cash in on the youth that you that Shero drafted, and let some of these other guys go by the wayside. Um, find out what you got. They're not going to kill you. Yeah. They, could they possibly be worse? Than Scuderi, Englund, Bortuzzo? My answer to that's no. no. So why not just try it? We'll see what they do. Um, Man, Niskanen's a tough one. It's not going to be um, easy for the Penguins to let him go, but uh, on, honestly, they don't need him for more than one more year. So you can't invest seven or eight years and five to six million dollars which i believe is absolutely what it's going to cost um because yeah. think about a team like the avalanche they don't have any puck moving demon worth a damn other than maybe barry and yeah there's an upgrade right there, their forwards it? are terrific but they never get the puck which is why they're a bad possession team even with that high-end talent so you're going to have teams like Colorado bidding for Niskanen an arm and a leg like they should because they have cap space to do it. What you can't have in Pittsburgh is overpaying for that when you have the pipeline of young D coming up. You're just going to have to trust the youth this upcoming season and, and trust that, that defense-first drafting model 
is going to have to start paying dividends. Yeah, you can't keep just sitting it and sitting it and sitting it. It has to start being used. So, um, yeah, pretty much. Anything else? I don't believe so. No, we had some people flick through some questions, but I think we may have covered off on those, I would say, through the, the form of the podcast. Yes, we did. I did ask on Twitter for some questions to come in, um, and we did get a few. Not as many as I'd like, but they were all Penguins related, <laughs> and um, I think we did cover a, a lot of what yep. those questions were. Um, you don't have to ask Penguin questions. In fact, I'd like it if you had some. If we didn't, to be perfectly honest, if you want to listen to other stuff, ask us and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, to be perfectly honest. Don't get me wrong. I love talking about the Penguins, but there is more than Pittsburgh out there. I'd, I'd love to, to get the question section going uh, a little more because I, I would enjoy um, having that kind of feedback with the listeners out there. So We just need to come out with a better hashtag and we'll work that out. <laughs> yeah, the SKHH didn't work today. We'll figure it out. Well, I think we're good, aren't we? Yep. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gunnerstall. You can find Cameron at Walshy66. You can find Hockey Hertz at Hockey underscore Hertz. Um, obviously, visit our website, HockeyHertz.com. You can find my Penguins-related material at HockeyBuzz.com and some of my more uh, statistical-based articles at hockeyperspectus.com and uh and um and i can look after your fitness if you head to coachcw.com we can do it online um to make sure that you you're doing everything properly uh you just have to have the motivation and the equipment we can skype it up make sure everything's going sweet uh you can look after um all of your exercise needs so have a look there. Um, I think it's really good. It, it gives you guys some flexibility in regards to where you train. If you, you travel a lot, you take the program with you online. Um, it's all there for you. We can track everything, make sure everything's running smoothly. Um, it's good fun as well. It's a bit different for me um, going from, you know, being there face to face. But it, it's good fun to be able to look after more people. Very good. So we shall see you next week. Have a good week, guys.